Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to The Cost of Goods Sold with Jennifer Myers Chua, episode 12. In today's episode, we chat with Courtney Stewart from The Good Kind. We explore why Courtney shut down her last business at the height of success to start a brand new company. We learn what lessons she learned from her first go at entrepreneurship. We discover why she decided to launch this new business with plastic-free litterless lunch options, why you shouldn't rush out to buy her product if you have a lunchbox already, and how she's planning to use the good kind to create meaningful change. This is Cost of Goods Sold, a podcast about why the products that make a difference are made. I'm your host, Jennifer Myers Chua, and I believe you can use your business or purchasing choices to cause a change you'd like to see in the world. Join me for conversations with intentional entrepreneurs, thoughtful designers, and responsible creators and curators building for-profit companies that create positive social and environmental change. This episode is brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern retail. If you want to stock your shelves with brands that are socially responsible and sustainable, or if you want to be a part of the collection that is delighting Canadian retail, visit hitmummies.ca. It's back to school season already, and in retail, this is a really big deal. In mid to late summer, millions of parents begin stocking up on school essentials, Things like book bags, lunch boxes, lunch bags, pencils, and other supplies. And everything needs to be labeled with the child's name. Which is how I came across Nomi and Sibs, a brand that sold multi-purpose silicone labels to stretch over water bottles, snack tins, pencil cases. Colorful, fun, endlessly reusable. I labeled all of our family's things and bought more as gifts. And they were definitely popular. Nomi and Sibs had a strong social media following. I'd see them in the schoolyard. And so I was incredibly surprised when the founder, Courtney, announced that they'd be shutting down. Sales were strong. Support for women-owned and Black-owned businesses had never been stronger. Why this choice? And I couldn't help but think about Instagram. See, late in 2019, one of the large Canadian label brands had launched their new product. This is a brand started by a mom of five, and it ended up growing and being sold to a major international corporation. So this brand's personalized bottle bands, as they called them, were pretty much indistinguishable from Nomi and Sibs. Side by side, it was hard to see a difference. And the mom community also saw this and voiced this loudly in the comment section. I assumed that something was going on here with this behind the scenes. And we'll go more into this in a bit. Shortly after receiving my last order of the Nomi and Sibs labels, the site went down to reemerge this summer as the good kind. And I have to admit that I am even more excited about Courtney's new venture. The first product with the good kind is the B.I.G. It's the Box and Go, a stainless steel lunchbox, safe and will last for years. It's made from really high quality materials and it's completely plastic free. 
made so that little one can really lug it around for all of elementary, so you don't have to buy a new box each fall. And since the average family in North America is using hundreds of single-use plastic sandwich bags and plastic wrappers a year, all which head into landfill, this is an impactful switch. I asked Courtney about that competitor and if this was the reason for the change. But she has a positive view on this situation, commenting on the tremendous support that she received from her customers and how much this gave her the confidence to move forward with a new idea, a brand that's really rooted in her own ideas of living a low-waste life. And for the competition, Courtney's always been really athletic. And so she views business like she does athletics. She's ready to take on the challenge. Yeah, I grew up playing sports all my life. And so you see a lot of athletes turn into entrepreneurs. It's that like, go get her, gotta win sort of attitude inside that never really leaves even when you're done sports. So I actually played basketball in university. A lot, a lot of people don't know that about me. I played division one basketball in Ohio. So I mean, I studied business. Courtney started her career in corporate America. She worked for really large companies, and she considers this period to be vital training for what she decided to do afterwards. After starting her family, Courtney wanted to explore doing her own thing rather than working for somebody else. And she wanted to start a business that aligned with her values, but she wasn't exactly sure what that could look like. She came across an idea for personalized labels for drinkware. The concept was to be able to use one label from baby bottle to sippy cup to thermos, reusing that one label across multiple stages. It was the idea of creating something endlessly reusable that was so appealing. She couldn't find anything similar available in Canada, so she set out to work looking into materials and manufacturers. I'd already started myself on that journey of products that are a little bit better, a little bit better for the environment, definitely better for us into our home. So Started there and did that for a few years, but quickly realized before the three years that, you know, personalized business as you scale up is very challenging. The challenges were very difficult to overcome. Courtney began to run into quality control issues with her manufacturing partner, and she tried to take that personalization piece into house, but the laser engraving was proving to be a huge challenge. And getting this into retail was proving to be a huge challenge. And then she had to rely on fulfillment centers in Canada and the U.S., which also wasn't working out. Maybe this could have been overcome. Courtney was beginning to see it as a sign that it was time to try something else. Unfortunately, we were very busy and at those times too. And being a small business, I don't think we were a huge priority for them. And there were just a lot of issues, a lot of error, a lot of quality control. And it ultimately solidified what I had already been feeling. And then we wrapped up the business. We wrapped up, we're calling it a pivot, but we wrapped up the labels and any personalized products about six months ago in December. So I started the new year fresh and been working on the good kind ever since. Have there been any really significant events in your life that have shaped how you see the world and how you see the world this way? My father passed away when I was 13. And I feel like as a dad, he was just like robbed, right? Of so many years with his kids and his family. And I think that's something that has stuck with me to think like, what could he have done? What could, what impact could he have made in those years that he lost? And it, I think it makes me as a parent really want to leave a legacy of some kind, like be impactful in some way. I don't want to just live. I want to live with purpose. 
And I want to have a like meaning. I want when somebody says my name or even my kids and they're like, oh, her mom, the recycling lady or that lady who like, she's trying to inspire people to do the right thing. Like that's important to me because I I think it makes you feel really good to, to bring out the goodness in people. And it's something that is very selfless to do. But I think if there was something that I think about often, I think about my dad and his time lost and the impact that he could have continued making or what the things he could have gotten into that he was passionate about that could have, you know, helped shape the future. I feel like we're here for a reason. And it's an unselfish reason. It's, it's beyond ourselves. It's got to have a purpose. It's got to impact others. What exactly is the good kind? What are your products and what are you all about? The good kind, from a product standpoint, is an accessible line of kind of safe, plastic-free, high-end, premium, good quality, planet-friendly mealtime solutions, essentials for families. And the whole idea behind it is, this is what I practice in my life is when you know better through education and learning and listening to people, you want to do better. I at least want to do better. So that's really what I want to inspire and hopefully through our products and our content and how we can be out there in front of people. We want to inspire people to live with purpose, choose products that are better for you, but better for the planet, better for your kids and your families. And essentially that's kind of like embodying the good kind. You're making the good kinds of decisions. You're being the good kind of person and doing the things that like make you feel good that you do, even when nobody's watching, all these things tied into one, we're still working on the messaging, but it's a good kind of feeling really like the things that you do that really make you feel good because you did the right thing. That's a message. And we're doing that. The avenue is through our products. What was your thought path? If you had this idea for maybe more sustainable products or products that are better for your family, why did you start with lunch? I think this is the athlete of me, the timing of the year when we decided to pivot and the season I really wanted to hit, <laughs> this is strategic business, was definitely back to school. I felt like we had that audience already that we had a back to school product that was important prior to previously. So I felt like it was a good fit. You know, looking back, it was definitely very rushed. Definitely one thing I've learned as an entrepreneur is just like having goals and trying to push it, push it is it's great, but sometimes you just need to take your time with things. And so I'm definitely learning that, but that's really why we wanted to drive this whole out of the home on the go part of the line first. And then the goal will be to move into at home solutions within the next probably 12 months. With little ones at home, I'm assuming that you've gone through a number of lunchboxes. So what were the issues with the lunchboxes that you've seen already? Like what kind of changes are you trying to make with your new product? We're not the first to come up with a similar concept in terms of uh, a lunchbox that's attached where you've got all the options the way little kids like to see it when they open up a lunchbox when they're at school. But we did see some things that need to be changed. And so one of the things that were pain points for parents who were using similar style bento boxes, some plastic, some stainless, some whatnot. But hands down, number one thing that we heard complaint was it leaking and leaking in terms of not necessarily just the, like the lid, but leaking inside. So when they would open it, the hummus would be, uh, it's already dipped for you, you know, things like that. And when it comes to your kids, God love them, but 
they might not want to eat that <laughs> if they see soggy crackers. So I always want to set my kids up for success. So I want to set them up so that when they open that lunch, they're enticed to eat it. They've got a lot of options that are, you know, still the way they were when we packed that lunch. And so I really wanted to go off of that pain point and make something better. Like I said, we're not the first stainless steel. We're not the first bento box, but I feel like we've made some really good improvements. And in that way was adding that um, silicone seal on the lid that it does not allow anything to move around inside. So when those kids are shuffling and running to their school bus or from the school bus or whatnot, nothing's moving. So parents can be confident that when they open that lunchbox, hopefully they'll be excited to see what they <laughs> what's inside. We've had school shutdowns here for over a year and a half, and I only started revisiting our lunchbox solutions for summer camp lately and was surprised to see that one of the lunchboxes that we use is a plastic lunchbox with a silicone interior, and I was noticing that the silicone was kind of coming back. And when I did some Googling, there are known issues with some of these plastic bento boxes and mold, which I found not only surprising, but I found it really alarming. Whenever things can get in those cracks, right? It's hard, whether, honestly, if it's plastic or stainless. Of course, like, I feel like stainless, if you can get a better clean in there, you can put it in the dishwasher, nothing's going to change shape. And our silicone seal, it comes off so that you can clean in there every night if you want or weekly, whatever. Those nooks and crannies that you can't get to sometimes, they tend to leave mold and we're talking about eliminating toxins through better materials of like food plates and containers. And then potentially there's mold hidden in the crevices of those containers. I think that's just through education. I remember one time I was I, a very popular brand water bottle, stainless water bottle. They had, it was a plastic lid. And unless you popped like the center of the lid out, you never would see, but inside there, exactly where the kids are having taken a drink from, it was garbage in there. And so you really had to know to like get that straw cleaning stick in there and really clean because we're, we're giving them the great products to be using and whatnot, but the toxins are there and the mold and everything. Like that's just as harmful or if not worse. So it, it's important to be able to have a solution that can easily can clean those things away and access a potential nooks and crannies very easy. I do want to talk a little bit more about materials and your choices there, but I'd like to go further backwards into your life. Maybe before the good kind, maybe before your first business, but why is sustainability or, or why is going plastic-free so important to you? Do you have a moment that stands out where you had this shift and when you decided you wanted to make change in this way? I think it was definitely over time. It had been a journey that I would go in come out of. But after having kids and just shifting my mind in general to know better and, and do better and everything, I, when you know, when you have kids, it's just about they're looking up to you. I'm responsible for this human, right? And I want to put out the best human I can. And so I want to embody and be a really good example for my kids. And what better way to do that than in the kitchen, doing the right thing for, for our home and for our, our health and nutrition, but also for beyond that, unselfishly for the planet and for the world. And so choosing reusable products, limiting containers and packaging and things like that, it all just over time. And I definitely in the last six years, 
has become so important to me. And I hope to have made some change even in my community. I'm like a big advocate for recycling. So I'm always encouraging. We have like little recycling competitions. If you can only put out one black garbage bag a week and like fill your recycling bins because it's the way it should be really. And so we've got people and got friends involved in our like gold box competitions with recycling and things like that. It's something that it matters to me. And I can truly tell you that if I see somebody put like a plastic water bottle, which I don't know why people use those anyway, but uh, a single use water bottle in the garbage, it literally, I cringe. Like there's something in me, (laughs) it bothers me so much. And I think that's just the person I become. I'm thinking about our footprint, what we're doing and what's going to affect our kids and my grandkids when I'm not here. So I've got to, I've got to do something now. And I feel like this is what I can do now to help that. So, and, and hopefully encourage others around me. I have not bought Ziploc bags in years. It was a goal of mine, I think by the end of 2019 to have like a plastic free kitchen So we don't have any plastic cups or plastic dishware, you know, all that trendy, the colorful stuff. The kids always want to go get it. But we've really moved away. And obviously, it's cost me a lot of glass dishes over the years in cups. But hopefully our line will fill that in soon. But yeah, I have a plastic-free kitchen. So everything, everything that our food touches is either stainless or glass. So something I'm very proud of. It's hard to do, though. It's hard. And you got to work at it. But I'd make sure when people come to my house with like a, a plastic container with food, I just send them back home. <laughs> like I can't have plastic in my house. You're working on closing your first business. What's the story of coming up with the idea for this new business? And how did you move this forward into something like create an actual product? I actually had always, when we thought about line extensions and what's next with Nomi and Sibs, which is my previous business, the labels, we thought, okay, we have the option to go into this personalization route, or we have a sustainable label, maybe we can go in the sustainable products route. So this has always been in circling in the back of my head. I think I was so uh, deep and swallowed in the production of the labels and the complexity of the production of the product that I didn't have the time to really think it through and to come up with a really good plan. When you're kind of backs against the wall and things are really going badly, you're forced to do that very quickly. But so I think the sustainable products was always in my, in in the wheelhouse, right? It was working, but I wanted to add that personalization, add that personalized touch to it. That was going to be our kind of point of differentiation. And then we found other ways to do that because I knew personalization was not the avenue I wanted to go in anymore. So it was something I had been thinking about. I felt like the changes we wanted to make to current products that were out there were enough. And I think hit the pain points that that customers were experiencing. It was something I was looking for. And so it felt really natural. I think my audience, I think we had a mix of modern moms wanting different types of products, but we also had moms who were a little bit more cautious about their spend and conscious in in terms of sustainable and reusable products. So I felt like there was a good fit for our current audience. So it pivoted an idea that had already existed, but I felt like we needed more of a change. I wanted to change the name. I wanted to do some other things too and change the really the whole mission behind the brand and and make it more of like a mission-driven brand. And and that's the goal. In terms of retail too, I think 
If anyone is listening to this with the idea of starting a brand that's based on personalization, that's really difficult if you want to then sell in retail stores. Like you can think of those key chains at any tourist shop with names on it. My name is very easy to find, but anyone with a more unique name doesn't have that option. And a retailer is not going to want to purchase something with a name that is maybe sold once every two years. Like it's just not good business. So personalization in terms of retail can be really, really challenging. It's very hard. And we tried to go down that that avenue so many hours and months of like planning some kind of retail strategy with hopes to get them as a D2C customer in the end. But a lot of complexities and ordering and getting names and all that stuff at the retail level. It, it was just, at the end of the day, it was a business that presented a lot of challenges throughout the entire process. If somebody came to me and said, I've had people ask actually very disappointed that we stopped with the labels and say to me, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I'm like, <laughs> go for it. That's amazing. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, you just have no idea. And I think also, too, because that wasn't an area where I was an expert in. And being a mom of two little kids and in the situation I'm in with my husband, he's got very long hours of work he puts in every single day, not having much help there. I didn't have the time to be going and learning new skill sets. I knew I already brought skill sets that I could contribute to a business and learning those other things about printers and graphics and all that stuff, it wasn't right for me at the time. Uh, I felt very strongly about (laughs) stopping. But if you're a creator and you can see yourself on Etsy, then if that's what you're passionate about, I, I would not say don't do it. I would just say think it through in terms of scaling and what you want long term because it's challenging. Personalization definitely is challenging. I've been following your business for years, your first business. And another thing that you ran into that I'm assuming was a huge challenge, and I have seen this so many times with other small businesses, is that at some point, a larger Canadian company put out a product that was remarkably similar to yours. Like, I know that must have been a big challenge, and it's something that small business owners face a lot. I was wondering if you were willing to comment on that situation And did it have any impact on the decision to pivot into a new business? It definitely did not have an impact to pivot. I think if anything, I felt like we got a lot of really great support from customers, like people who hadn't even bought the product, our product before, just wanted to support because they were, it was relatable in terms of a mother just trying to start something new or make a living sort of thing. And so I felt people felt they wanted to support that, it felt good for them to do so. So I think if anything, it fueled, it helped us. It definitely, for me, that owner of that business, she was a mom, she's got a lot of kids. And I know in the early days of that business, it was a hard struggle And to see that being done rubbed me the wrong way as an entrepreneur and as in the position I was in. But at the same time, that's business. It it sucks. And I was mad. (laughs) I was angry. And I think maybe could have done something differently. But I think that in, in hindsight, it's business. And I don't think it's a big part of their business. I might be wrong, but I don't think so. But 
those are the things that you're going to have to face. And I'll have to face this with this product as well, because there are other international brands, US based brands that are doing, you know, similar things. I hope that I'm doing it a little bit differently. Our message and our mission and the community we want to create is a little bit uh, more unique. And so that will help us stand out. But there are bigger brands with bigger, deeper pockets that can come in and they can make their way. So those are the things that we're always going to have to deal with. If anything, I think that situation prepared me for probably what's to come and it will never stop coming. But as an entrepreneur, it didn't make me want to give up. It made me want to show that that we can move past this and you can get past this. So any aspiring entrepreneur, anybody who's been presented with challenges of people within a region or community or something, doing something similar, find a way to be different and continue setting yourself apart as a business and you can get through it. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider taking the time to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us spread the word about the project and about brands that are truly making a difference. On to the show. Another thing that surprised me about that situation was that generally in terms of the Canadian entrepreneur community, specifically the women entrepreneurs, they're very supportive and very mindful of collaboration. I remember that with Nomi and Sibs, you did a partnership with Nix and some Canadian influencers. And I'm wondering how that came to be. And is there anything that you learned from that experience that's going to help you building your new business? Absolutely. So yes, that was a collaboration with Nix and the Birth Papaya and Tish Jewelry was also part of it. Actually, Sarah, you're in the Atelier gift bag and she was a speaker. So she received our product. And then she did a unsolicited shout out, thanking us for that gift because they were personalized. They had her children's names on the labels and whatnot. And so she did that and we saw a huge lift. That was wonderful. And then organically, we would keep in touch. I would engage with her and in social media. And like she was really making a place in the last year when things were happening with the Black Lives Matter movement. And if you follow Sarah Landry... I feel like she's a, when I know better, I want to do better kind of person. She's, she's trying sometimes too much to be something for everybody, but she's very inclusive. I feel like her heart is there. You see her growth over the last couple of years. So it happened organically with us kind of chatting during those times. And then when I got the email from Nix, it was at a time where it was a low point in terms of what was I going to do? We were having so many issues with production and everything. And so maintain your relationships as much as you can. I know it's difficult, but networking is very important. And even maintaining connections and contact, you never know how those things are going to help you and uplift you in your business and in life in the future. I think that's a huge learning. I think going through the collaboration process was really great too. Working back and in, in, in communication with that corporate environment that I had been out of for so long and seeing how that works. And I think it's totally changed as well. But It was a great experience. I hadn't totally made the decision that at the end of that year, we were going to be wrapping up the labels. But I feel like looking back, it was a really nice exit from that from that business. We wrapped up a couple months later. And it was a a great send off. We had our best year (laughs) in terms of sales. And so our our exposure was up there. We got shout outs from other uh, top influencers. It was a gift. A little gift send off of Nomi and Sibs. So when you went to develop your new product line, 
Can you talk to me a little bit about finding a manufacturer or what kind of materials you chose? In looking at developing these products for the past year and a half, we had already been in conversations with partner manufacturers that we'd worked with with the labels who were using premium, either FDA approved or the LFGB approved tested materials as far as our silicone products are concerned. And so they had connections with with other manufacturers on the stainless side that kind of helped linked linked us together and they were able to even work together. And so that was definitely beneficial because going through that manufacturing hunt of searching for manufacturers is very difficult because the way that they may come off and they may perceive to be can be very different from what is actually going on. And it was a hard time to do this because we couldn't go over there. We do manufacture in China, so we can't go over there. We can't travel. So we really put our trust in our silicone label manufacturers to help lead us in that direction and work with that new manufacturer to create that the lunchbox. We developed a really good relationship with our label manufacturer over the last few years and felt confident in that we could trust them. And we've been very happy, very lucky. Not all situations work out that way, but but at some point you kind of you gotta have some trust. I took a look at your website in the product descriptions of the new lunchboxes, which are made of stainless steel, and some of your new messaging. And it's very much focused on non-toxic rather than being focused on those terms that we're seeing now all the time, like BPA-free, that if you've been listening to this podcast, you know generally don't mean much because everyone's just slapping that on a label now these days, whether it's true or not. About that messaging, are there any insights into how you're communicating the safety and health benefits of your products? It kills me. People say BPA-free. And it's been, and now it's used as a marketing, a marketing thing. So parents are perceived to think that, oh, it's BPA free. And that's the headline. It's BPA free. Unfortunately, and it's not the parent's fault or anybody else's, but that's one of hundreds of toxins or and chemicals that are used in these products. And so to eliminate that, great. That's the one that they've taken out, but there are still others in, in plastics. And even honestly, there are different grades of stainless as well. And so we are using a 304 grade stainless steel, which is a premium approved for food contact level stainless steel. And it's different from what you would find at a $1 store, $2 store, something like that. That's a different kind of stainless steel. It's not the same. People don't, they don't see that. They see a product that kind of looks similar. Stainless steel water bottle, you get the dollar store is very different than one that you buy from a brand. But has put the research in and put the education, then the testing and gone through those steps to ensure that they're offering a high quality, healthy, safe product into the marketplace. And so that's something that's really important to me. If I'm not going to use it in my own family, if I'm not willing to expose my own children to it, I would never introduce it to the marketplace. I'm very strict with what we bring into our house. So it was important. If there was a best, we were going to bring it into this product and this whole line, really. It's such a challenge for us as consumers, as people who are trying to make better choices when it comes to Things like that, the things that may be toxic, and that inconsistent labeling is part of the challenge. A couple episodes back, we met with Emma Roman, who's a toxics expert, and she talked about how substitutions are happening. So if there's a regulation and they take something out like BPA, they're removing BPA, they're replacing it with something else that they have waiting. 
that may just be just as dangerous, but it's currently not something that we're immediately aware of and maybe it's something that's not currently illegal or whatnot. It's a real challenge. And I appreciate that you're going for the broad stroke of non-toxic and you're actually doing all you can to make sure that is true. I appreciate that. I feel like this, the way that BPA-free has been thrown around on packaging and labels, it's actually very sad. It's very disappointing. We don't put BPA-free. I think there's an assumption we're saying no toxins, mm-hmm. right? Pure platinum, the highest levels of pure silicone, no fillers, no additives, none of that stuff. And I think that BPA-free thing is thrown around to, it's that extra, oh, okay, it's that extra kind of notch of approval that a parent will take and and feel like they, they're confident in, in, in that product. And in some ways they are. In some ways it's wonderful. Like And it works out. It's BPA-free, which is great. It's also, it doesn't have other toxins. But in a lot of cases, you're right. It, it's just the BPA that they pulled out and they've substituted with something else. And so something cheaper, another filler or whatnot. And it, it's, it, I feel like it's, it's, unfair to parents in the marketplace because goodness we have so many things that we're trying to do well and we're trying to raise these good humans and, and we're putting our faith into these labels and packaging and things like that and want to you know be able to trust and a lot of the times we're getting duped by these brands and manufacturers unfortunately have you come across anything in your research about the environmental impact of our lunch packing habits I guess we're not even a brown paper bag lunch culture anymore. We're more like a Ziploc bag or a sandwich bag. Did you find anything surprising? I can't even think of it, but it's something like like 30 million lunch bags, uh, like Ziploc bags are used in a year. Something It's more than that because it would be more than that. I've got to find the number, but the amount of plastic single use Ziploc type bags that are used and then thrown out and the impact that has is staggering, is absolutely staggering. So when you think of that in terms of all the different things that you put in a lunch, I find that when you have something like a a lunchbox that has different sections, maybe as a parent, instead of buying the yogurt in the 30 individual containers, maybe you just buy the one container and you scoop it from there. So even making a simple swap like that, it's impactful. Imagine everybody doing that, getting that bulk tub instead of sending those single ones all the time. I really want to get through to people that it doesn't have to be these huge shifts in your life. It can just be one little thing that when you think about it in terms of everybody doing one little thing, the impact is ginormous. And so the numbers on even the single plastic bags and things like that, it's staggering. It's staggering. It makes you, you definitely think twice when you put things in the garbage and filling up that garbage every week. Yeah, it's staggering. One of my favorite questions to ask founders about looking back at this moment that you're in right now, I love to ask if there was a moment where you said, hey, people are responding to this. I know this is going to happen. Have you hit that moment yet? We sent off the labels with a bang. I felt really good. I felt confident about whatever I decide to do next. I did feel really confident. And as much as I, I believe like this is going to work, I think the goals that I've set and the things that I want to do and the impact I want to make, it has to work. It, it has to work. But I'm not going to lie, Jen. Like there are days where as an entrepreneur, like 
the highs are so high and literally <laughs> the lows are garbage low. Like they are landfill garbage low. That's very hard. And trying to navigate um, those ups and downs while trying to be everything in your business to everyone who needs you in your business and outside of your business and in your personal life, it's hard. So I don't have doubts that this is going to be great. I think it's, it's getting there and staying in a clear mental state because the roller coaster of entrepreneurship, it can... It, it gives you turns and twists and you got to be able to keep it straight, <laughs> navigate them and keep it straight. So I think if there's heart and there's passion and great products, it might take time, but it will succeed. I think I've, I'm used to hard work in terms of growing up and a family filled with athletes and very successful. My, all my siblings are very successful as an athletic scholarship. I did, I did my part in, in that way. I, I have this kind of be the best at whatever you're going to be attitude. So I think the biggest surprise, so yes, working hard and being seasoned for something like this, because I've in, been in training mode my whole life, but there's nothing more and I don't know if it was necessarily a surprise, but a shocker in terms of the commitment that entrepreneurship and having your own business, and maybe it was the timing of it, along with my having small kids, the sacrifice, the things that you're going to have to miss. I think people glamorize entrepreneurship in terms of you run your own business and you come and go as you want. And it's, it's great. You show up half day Friday. And sure, you could do that. But the reality of it is uh, you're in your business in the early days. It's all the time, especially as an online e-commerce brand. People are expecting you to get back to them <laughs> immediately. And so I think a big shocker was, although I was trained my whole life to be a very hard worker and to work tirelessly, this entrepreneurial journey is exhausting. It is, and it will, it tests, it tests you. It tests everybody. It tests your whole family. Everybody in my family is impacted by it. And so it, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's definitely it harder than I would have even imagined, but it will push you. It will grow you. It will challenge you in ways that you never thought possible. And for me, I think it's made me a better person and made me a better parent in a lot of ways. I don't always think that in the moment, but yeah, the amount of work and time and commitment and sacrifice and all the things that you miss out on, even your family. And that's been a big shocker and very hard. Do you have any other ways that you're planning to use this business to support any other kind of change? We haven't actually announced this, but we are working on some kind of certification supporting other organizations. And we have a few already in, in the works, but the goal is going to be like 5% of our proceeds are all going to go to other things. The B certification, the ocean movements, the few things that are high priorities. And then a couple that we're determining what's the best fit, but definitely want the benefits that we reap in the business in terms of sales and profits to be able to share that with other organizations that are also trying to do the right thing and other groups and young minority aspiring entrepreneurs, things like that, that it, again, that it feels really good to give back when you can. It, it's going to be something that, that will announce hopefully by the end of the year, once those things are confirmed. 
but it's a must in the business for sure to be able to give back, especially to groups that are trying to inspire change as well. And what about other Black-owned businesses, BIPOC creators? Do you feel that there's been a shift in the marketplace? Like, do you feel that people are using their dollars to support maybe businesses owned by marginalized people or anything like that? I'm wondering if you have anything to comment about that shift and if you see anything changing. I definitely think that there is a shift of all the kind of ugly that's come out of a lot of things recently. I think that there's also some good and there's been openings and some big organizations have stepped up in big ways to help support BIPOC, minority, underserved groups in entrepreneurship. There's definitely been a shift. And I think consumers are more educated now than ever to kind of search around, search around for options. And I think people are dedicated to supporting small businesses, supporting local businesses. And that includes BIPOC-owned businesses. I think people deeply care. I really do. You have to feel, you have to think that, you have to believe. And I think people want to see good. They want to see change. And in order to see change, you've got to support different types of businesses operated by different minorities and LGBT, black community, brown community, Chinese, everything. All those businesses are are just as important, but it's also finding a way to bring light and expose these businesses in terms of making them more visible. Yeah, I I do see a change. I see a change. I think it's going to be a slow shift, but I do see a change and I hope that it only continues. So if you're interested in conscious consumerism and you've gotten to this place, what's a resource that you would recommend to someone who's starting to explore this, explore making different choices? Where should they start? There is a blog called Zero Waste Canada, I believe. I learned so much. She has so much education, so much knowledge on her blog and even on her Instagram People know at the end of the day when they're putting that water bottle in the garbage that it's not where it should be going. But she shares also the other side of it and the impact and and breaks it down from the impact to also the impact it has on you and your health and the toxins. So just a, a wealth of knowledge. She is somebody who has definitely devoted her life to living this way and that amplifies conscious brands. And so I definitely think that is a great place to start. And then from there, it'll just spiral because everybody's following her and everybody who has those goals in mind for their business or for themselves personally, they're watching what she's doing and listening to what she's saying. There are people like you and I who are looking to make a difference in our own homes and then also looking to make a difference in the communities. And people are supporting your products. They're purchasing those. And you've seen more support coming for BIPOC creators and women-owned businesses. So I'd just like to know, with all of that in mind, how hopeful are you for the future? I'm very hopeful for the future. I, I see great things coming. I believe in myself. I believe in people wanting to be better, to do better, to shop better, to support businesses that are trying to do the right thing. You can only want people around you to other citizens to want the good for everybody. And so that involves being a conscious consumer, not overbuying, buying when you need. I even say with our product, when you're in the market for, don't just go buy it because you, you know, because you want it when you're in the market for, because listen, 
There's another box that has been working for you, or if it's not, then sure, if you want to replace it, but that's just going to end up in the landfill too. And that's what we don't want either. I believe, I believe people want to do better. They want to be better. They want to be the good kind. I'm very passionate. So when I care about something a lot, I come off very pushy, I guess you can call it very, but it's just, it's just coming from a place of just really caring Mm -hmm. and wanting someone to feel it, like feel the way I feel it. I don't want to come across, I'm not not perfect even in our home. I'm not, I've got work to do, but I want to go along this journey with our customers and our community because it's a journey. It's not something that you, you know, flick the switch and it happens. Small changes can make a big impact. I think it's since having kids and all the the toys and the the unnecessary packaging and the toys that literally just end up in the garbage. It's painful. It is painful to me. And it really bothers me. I've just really tried to limit those things. But the amount of mindless consumerism that's happening, and when I say mindless, I mean, people are just buying, 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 don't need like, if you stop and ask yourself, is it good for me? Is it good for the planet? And do I need this? Do I need this? If you would put down probably 75% of the things that you pick up, and you would save so much money. <laughs> you would save so much money. So I'm hoping that we can help people shift in that direction a little bit by a little bit less, use what you have, and uh, make the best of it. I'll tell you one thing with our manufacturer, our lunch pails, when they're opened in the box, mm-hmm. they were supposed to be sleeved with like a, with a paper sleeve. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They did it with a plastic sleeve. It was so bothered me and it still bothers me but it doesn't make sense to go reproduce something else to put it in it and to make all those changes but that and obviously the footprint of something like that is far less however it's something that when you think of it in terms of mcdonald's and these big brands producing hundreds of thousands weekly probably it really adds up. So we're not perfect either. And we're trying to do this right. We stumble along the way too. And that, and it was a miss at the quality control level at our manufacturer. And so small steps, small steps, do better next time. If you want to learn more about Courtney and her endlessly reusable mealtime essentials for families on the go, visit thegoodkind.com, kind with two eyes. Looking for litter-proof lunch solutions for back to school? They are available to order now. You can follow along with Courtney on her mission to help you sustainably and mindfully tackle life with littles on Facebook at The Good Kind or Instagram at Be The Good Kind. This episode was brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern Canadian retail. If you want to stock your shelves with carefully vetted, proven safe and thoughtfully designed brands, or if you're looking for Canadian distribution and representation, visit hipmummies.ca. Thank you for joining us this week. If you want to find out more about this episode or any of the previous episodes, please visit thecostofgoodsold.com. Have a founder story that you think we should feature? Reach out on Twitter or Instagram at ofgoodsold. My name is Jennifer Myers-Chua. And you've been listening to Cost of Goods Sold, the podcast.